It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, what's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? It is 6 o'clock on Saturday night. There's a lot going on, but the only thing we're talking about in here is some Eagles football. It is BGN Radio with John Barchard, James Zelter, Brandon Lee Gowton skipping out because he's not a team player, much like Michael Kendricks. No. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. What's going on, everybody? We are uh, happy to be here again uh, this evening. I don't know, James. You were uh, you tell me there's uh, you're not quite over the Detroit game here. What's going on with you, buddy? I, it was I'm, over at like eight o'clock on a mo- on Monday. It was, yeah. it was good to go. Yeah, not still me, hanging man. in your head. Still, huh? Yeah, I can't get over it. Just just the way it went down, the way they lost. Obviously, the officials. There were just so many things that you can look back on and say, all right, if that had gone this way or if this had gone that way, yeah, man, it, it's just frustrating. Especially feeling as confident as we did going in. Uh, still, it's still a tough one to get over, Johnny. Yeah, and uh, Washington kind of feels almost the exact same way here as the Detroit game goes. You're looking at this thing, you're like, well, you know, it's a division, uh, divisional opponent. It's a rival. There's, for, for some reason, Washington's always kind of had the Eagles number for the past couple of years. Obviously, that was with an old regime. And, uh, you know, 2013, there was a sweep in there. That's when the kind of the downfall of Washington happened, which always makes everybody happy. But, yeah, I... Um, I don't know, man. I I just feel like if uh, this is a, again another winnable. I don't want to say easy because none of these things are easy, but they should kind of take care of these guys pretty handily here. You would you would think when you look at the matchups, look at the two teams, put them side by side. I think you have to give the Eagles the edge from a talent perspective. It seems from a coaching perspective, uh, and you know it's a division game. Anything can happen in a division game. We always say that, but. I think personally, after the way the Detroit game went down, I would be very surprised if they don't show up ready to play again. Yeah, and there's been, you know, there's, I want to just touch on some of the Detroit things because it's been hanging in the air, and obviously there's some big changes on the offensive line. We want to break down a lot of things that are going in Washington. Plus, we want to know what are your X factors in this game. We have ours, so if you want to guess what our X factors going into Washington 888-729-9494, pound 9494 
on your Verizon and AT&T cells. But, you know, there's a lot of talk of that last drive. And, like, almost, it seems to me people almost forgot about the Ryan Matthews fumble. Like, that's just, like, secondary to the it whole is, thing. It is, though. It's all about, the you know, the interception in that last drive. You're absolutely right, John. Uh, and the, the, the decision of, of Carson Wentz to go downfield to Nelson Aguilar, right? Well, you know, we, we've gone back and forth with this a couple of times now. There's no guarantee that you're just going to go chunk by chunk by chunk. And I know, like, yeah, Jordan Matthews is open, but, the you know, the timing would have been funky there. There's no guarantee that he's going to be there for the next three plays in a row of just like, yeah, take the – suddenly you want to take the brakes off or put the brakes on Carson Wentz after, you know, he's had the keys to the car for a while. He's been looking like a veteran quarterback and you do all this stuff. But there's also been this – Nelson Aguilar lost them the game on that final play too. Let me Let me just straighten everybody out here, all right? I like Carson Wentz, uh, and he's almost, like, uncriticizable at this point. That was Carson Wentz's fault, right? We all know that at this point. The decision was correct. I understand it, but the ball was underthrown, and it was poorly placed. It was really tough for Nelson Aguilar to catch that ball. And and I think we want to do that because it's easier to do because Nelson Aguilar sucks, right? That's just like, <laughs> oh, he's so bad. It's, it was his fault. I don't think that was really Nelson's fault. That was clearly on Wentz pretty much the whole way. I like the aggressiveness. I like everything that would happen there. I'm not, you know, trying to say never throw that again, but uh, let's give it a rest on that, would you? Like Nelson, Nelson did fine that that game. I'll go the other way on this one, Johnny, because I I agree with you. I don't think that that ball was was catchable, no matter what he did in that situation with the coverage that Slay had on him. But you gotta go up stronger than that, man. Come on, you can't do anything else there. Slow you at least knock the ball away, at least get in Slay's way. It was like Aguilar just disappeared from the play, and Slay catches the ball, and it's all over. Because it's behind him, it's behind him on the wrong shoulder. Like you can't expect them to turn it around and just suddenly go, okay, yeah, I, I, like what? Do you want him to break up the, the bad go, pass? I want him to go up strong. If he goes up strong, at least there's a chance he throws Slay off his play. I mean, go something. He went up weak there, man. You got to go up stronger for that ball, even if you're not going to catch it. At least give it your all. It felt like he didn't. He just, uh, I can't catch this. I'm not going to even, you know, go for it. Yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> he's going to jump, and he's in place. They're going to come down and catch the ball. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's, I don't think there's really anything more you could do in that situation. Sure, you want him, you want him to stop and turn around. You want to, I mean, like break him from his route. Whatever. You can kind of have that argument going back and forth. But let's just admit, as as, as a city, Carson Wentz has fallen on that one. It's okay to admit that. Like, you make rookie mistakes. It's fine. You move on to the next one. I actually think. Nelson Aguilar has still kind of steadily, very slowly, at a snail's pace, has been improving throughout the year here. Where, where we have all you forget seen improvement the from last this guy? Even in Detroit, he made a fantastic catch well, coming out of the second half. The like that's, those are, this but, guy was a first-round pick, and we're getting excited because he made a catch. Yeah, that, I, listen, I'm not saying, like, now now everything's fixed here and like <laughs> we're going to move on from this. I'm just saying, like I've been saying, it's easier just to blame Nelson for all that and forget about Ryan Matthews' fumble, but... This was Carson Wentz's fault. Just accept it and we'll move on. That's all. That's all I wanted to get out there. There's no reason to. There's no reason to take the you know keys away from him. I want him to make those decisions. And it's, listen, it's important that that happened. Yeah, it really is because if you're facing the Giants in January and that's where it comes down to, and you want him to make a big play, and it's a tight game again for maybe to get into the playoffs or maybe the division, that's a learning experience, and now you've moved on from it. Well, one thing uh, to add to that, one thing you and I have talked about a lot this week on the podcast and just when we've chatted in person, uh, the idea that that one of the most impressive things about Wentz has been how quickly he corrects his mistakes. He makes a mistake, 
he learns from it, and he moves on, and he doesn't seem to be making those same mistakes again. So if this is that type, you know, you expect this type of situation where he is in that exact same spot again, he's going to do a better job. And you should, and you notice this too, uh, because it, it came out. I think he's what eighty percent against the blitz. Yeah, this above far? like eighty-one percent against. It's it's insane. It's the best in the NFL, John, of but everybody. Just don't tell Scott Casmir again, <laughs> because uh, Football Outsiders is still. I saw him and Fran Duffy go back and forth, which I thought was very important. Again, just like we're all, we're on what week three or four of this mm-hmm. air yards thing that keeps occurring here. Like how I, I don't. Listen, for the 50th time, air yards, yards per average, all of those stats that are meaning, completely meaningless literally, without context. Literally meaningless without context. Uh, it, it is, I could it, throw a ball in the air the entire field or whatever, it, and if there's no matter. one there, who cares? Uh, it, it has, I mean, your your eye test is there, is the biggest overall thing there. Yes. And we've we've already seen that. The stats are there to make sure you're looking at the right things and, and doing all that. So they're important. I'm not disregarding stats or... You know, but again, man, I mean, like, he's making the right decisions. And when you're facing pressure, like, that's all critical thinking. It's sped up. Like, if you, if, you know, if you're getting, I don't, well, the other thing you should look into is probably how many times he's getting blitzed, you know. But sure. still, when he is, he's still making the right reads. That's what that tells me Over, overall. It doesn't matter how long, how long you're throwing the ball. I mean, they don't have the wide receiving core to do it. Yep. Have we established that already? It was the same problem that went into this thing last year. Well, and Fran made a good point in there as well that when you're getting blitzed, you're getting rid of the ball quicker. You're making shorter throws in a lot of cases. It's just a situational type of thing. What what Kazmar and others who have, have tried to kind of double down on their bad opinions are doing is they're trying to manipulate stats to make them say what they want them to say. Yeah, 888-729-9494. Do you have any comments on the, you know, Wentz throw. Nell Snagler, how everybody's kind of shaping up here, what you kind of took away from the loss and what you're expecting coming into this thing. Uh, plus, uh, if you can guess our X factors this week, there's a couple of surprises in here. So 888-729-9494 as we go to uh, Scott in Upper Darby. Scott, what's going on, man? How are you? How are you guys? Uh, hope you guys are enjoying your uh, college football day. Oh my gosh, it's been kind of crazy today, hasn't it? You know, with uh, Vanderbilt taking care of business. Uh, what I didn't Clemson see. The, almost lost. Clemson almost loses. College kickers, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm just getting off of work, so I haven't quite caught all the scores up. But what I wanted to talk about is uh, what you just mentioned about Carson Wentz and the throw, right? Um, as as a receiver, he has to go up and, like your partner said, and be strong and go up and get that ball and be tough. It wasn't a bad throw. It was I a bad want, throw. I don't, <laughs> That's the first I, thing we have to admit. Okay. It was a bad throw. Okay. I you know, we'll agree to disagree. I don't think it was a great throw, but I believe that receiver has to go up and at least get a hand there and knock it down. And I, I, I hear on that, Scott, but I'm saying at the end of the day, who is it? Is it on Nelson or is it on Wentz for that? For that okay. Thing? It, it, is, it is on Wentz. That's all it I'm trying to say. Wentz. Yeah, yeah. But, and sure, but, and Nelson needs to be a little more aggressive and track the ball better, and there's all that stuff. I'm not, t- I'm not disagreeing with that either. But A lot more. But that, but that throw... Did not lose that game. No, no. Ryan Matthews lost that game. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's right. what I was saying. It's it's interesting how people have just suddenly forgotten that there was like a major issue, even <laughs> way before you got to that throw. You know, but yeah. but everybody's that focused throw on have like never happened. Yes, this yes. Yeah, let's not let's not uh, forget about over a hundred yards and penalties 
True. Well, yeah, that's. Okay. I mean, that's which which uh, which is kind of towards what James is thinking as far as an X Factor this weekend. I might add. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it, and I think somebody came out with a stat, and I can't remember who posted it. It was like less than point zero five, not five percent, point zero five percent of NFL games in history have ever had a fourteen to two penalty uh, type of ratio going down there. It's pretty crazy, there, Scott. Yeah, yeah, it, it was absolutely uh, ridiculous, uh, um, and. The, the play call, I, I'd have to disagree about the sweep to Matthews, you know, in that time of the game. Why take a chance and, and you know, and run a sweep? Well, when, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I appreciate the call, Scott. I, I think there are times, sure, like maybe maybe don't, but what's to say he's going to run it inside and not fumble that football yeah. either, though, too? I mean, it was exposed. It shouldn't have been there. It just look, Ryan Matthews made, made it. I, I get ripping the play call and, and the concept of. I generally agree with the idea of if it's a, a play where the number one most important thing is to not fumble the ball. Maybe you don't put the ball in the air at all. That's fine. I don't think that's the reason he fumbled. Ultimately, Ryan Matthews just needs to hang on to the football. That's all it really comes down there. Yeah, plain and uh, plain and simple there. And uh, it'll be interesting how how you know because when it, when now we're and we will look ahead to. Washington tomorrow, which this week kind of flew by so fast, yeah. didn't it? It's, I don't know about anybody else, but suddenly it's it's football tomorrow. So that's hopefully the the recipe that kind of makes us all feel a little better here. But when you, I mean, they should absolutely be running the football against Washington this week, one hundred percent here. Yeah, Washington is atrocious against the run, and then which gets us into something that we wanted to talk about. Why did we not see any small or Barner in that game? After how good that I know it was an injury that, that took Matthews off the field against Pittsburgh, but those guys looked good against Pittsburgh. Like, how do you not give them a carry? I, I just, that's, if, if I'm going to rip Doug for anything in that Detroit game, it's not the play calling, it's not that pitch, it's not allowing Wentz to make that throw. It's the fact that we did not see those two guys when you needed that type of production. And interestingly enough, where, you know, you have, a, a Detroit's defense that is begging you to do that more into it like, over and over again, where it's just kind of like, hey, you Here know, you go. we're, we're going to drop back, do your thing, do what you're going to do. And we all know that most of those guys on that offensive line are at strongest. Well, you could probably make an argument for Jason Kelsey, which I understand, but it, the, the, most of that line is ready to rock and roll when it yeah. comes to the running Especially game. Especially that left side. I mean, Peters and Brooks, that's what you do with those guys. Run the ball behind them. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting that they kind of got away from that. I, I wonder... I mean, we could spend all day on why wouldn't you kind of go do that? What was the hang-up? Why, why no Ertz at the same time, yes. too, when you have that? Yes. You're going to have the same situation again last week or is this, this week, and it's going to be more amplified. You know, there's they were giving up like 5.1 uh, yards per, I think, attempt or carry or something like that in there. They're 25th overall in rushing yards. They're at about 90 yards per game that you're giving up here. Is this the time where... You know, Doug plays it easy and says, hey, that's exactly what we're going to do. Or do you think he kind of goes against the grain and say, no, we're just going to come out throwing again? Uh, it's a good question. I think he's going to run the ball. I, I think, look, we haven't seen Doug read the situation wrong that many times. He knew in that Pittsburgh game to come in and just air it out and throw the ball. I think he's going to look at this game and say, all right, let's get back to what we do here. Let's pound the ball. Let's kind of eat up some clock and have some sustained drives here. That, I think that's the formula you're going to see, especially against a Washington team that does have some big play weapons if needed. 888-729-9494. When we come back, 
Is Big V going to make an impact? Is Lane Johnson missing time for the next 10 weeks going to affect this football team? More on that. It's BGN Radio right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Halapuli. See, I um, I was I was ready to rock and roll, and then yeah, I was, I choked. It. I'll I tell choked. everyone he did have it during the break. He nailed it. Halapuli Viti Vitae. Boom! There it is. I'm just calling him Big V. Big V from now on. Yes. I just had to get that away. <laughs> and the funny thing is, the entire week, everybody's tried to nail that. You know, yeah. that's that's how it goes. That's how it comes in. It's BGN Radio with John Barchard and James Zeltzer. A lot easier to pronounce than uh, than Big V, but. You know, it's kind of interesting, too, because at what point do we just say, okay, let's trust the coaches and what they're telling us, which still feels weird to me because I just want to say, no, you're a liar every time because coaches lie. That's (laughs) all they do. all liars. Yes. Head coaches just lie to your face. As do GMs and owners and all that stuff, too. But it worked out in, you know, from the front here when you had guys saying, like, yeah, Jalen Mills is going to take over Eric Rowe. I didn't believe that. I didn't believe that for a second. (laughs) Eric Rowe's no longer here, and Jalen Mills has actually been praying (laughs) Very solid ever since he's, you know, had had those rookie bumps there in the beginning. And then you get Carson Wentz is ready. And you're just like, hold, wait, time out. (laughs) Carson Wentz, the guy that you wanted to bench for an entire year, is now suddenly ready to rock and roll here. Let's calm down, you know. And then you still have, uh, and now Big V comes along. And you're just sitting there like, oh, even Smallwood, too. Smallwood's a guy that I was just like, you know, fifth round, no way. Like, you're going to, or yeah, you're going to. Sell me on this guy, and then he comes out and shows you a little something, and you're going to see him progress throughout the year. Big V now comes along and says, oh, yeah, well, he's ready. Oh, we've tried to scare this kid a million times, but he's just not biting it. He's just not getting into it. So you're, you're like, okay, is this finally the thing that is like, okay, no, the, the, he's definitely not ready. He's not going to come in and be suddenly a replacement for Lane Johnson, and no one's going to notice. But maybe, <laughs> you, know, you know, like that's that's how I kind of everybody feels so good about every time that this has happened. And, and there's been some, you know, a lot of pessimism regarding who they're bringing in and who they're going to start right away. But I don't know. I, I just kind of I feel I feel good about Big V going in there, honestly, just because they told me it'll be fine, yeah. which is ridiculous. Yeah. It is not in my nature to kind of just feel that way and go with it. It's a, yeah, it's against our DNA to just say, oh, OK, cool. Let's roll with it. I, I did like how Doug said he's fully committed to the guy he committed to playing at right tackle. So happy about the commitment yeah. there. But no, look, I think what we've seen from this coaching staff through a month of the season through four games you have to at least give them some benefit of the doubt, as you said. I personally, I mean, look, they're not going to say anything else. They're not going to say, ah, oh, Big V's coming in, but I'm really nervous. I don't know if he can handle this. It's a big spot for him. That's not what they're going to say. They're obviously going to say, oh, we've done everything. This kid's ready. So I don't believe them because they're telling me it. What I do believe is that we've seen these guys put their players in the best possible positions consistently. So I do believe that they will find a way to scheme around Big V being at right tackle. I don't think he's going to be Lane Johnson, obviously, and and I think there are going to be issues here. Uh, We will see some breakdowns and some flaws, but I think through scheme and the ability to kind of help him out, I I do think they get by. Yeah, plus you're going to get a handful of uh, a Kerrigan probably early. They're going to want to test those early. It's going to be interesting. So that's why it just leans more and more that they're going to point and say, 
Yeah, we're not. We're going to run the ball. I mean, you even, yes. even heard Hollis Thomas previously when he was with Rob Cherry say the same exact thing, where it's just you want to get a rookie guy comfortable, you're going to run the ball early yep. because that's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. You don't have to worry about your footwork. Just got to worry about your man, listen to the protection, the guy and in go front ahead. Of it. Yeah, exactly. and then when you take it a step further, if you want to say what is the thing that Lane Johnson has been the best at this year, it's been pass protection. He has been terrific. I think he's only allowed like three hits, no sacks. He's been outstanding in pass protection. So if you're going to like, you know, play, play to the strengths, say, all right, well, we might take a hit in pass protection. Let's run the ball and focus on what this guy can do well right now. And like you said, make it easier for him. Yeah. And, uh, and it's been an interesting journey too, for Lane Johnson. It's weird that finally it's this pass protection I mean, he struggled he was, he has, for a long time behind that. His rookie year, he was a, a, like a turnstile. Yeah, put skates. He put, he was put on skates a lot yeah. of the time. And then you saw the athleticism when you finally start getting into the run game. So I expect there to be, I, I'm sorry, I just can't help myself. There's going to be some bumps and bruises yes. here along the He's way. He's a fifth-round pick, and not yeah. just that. He was a fifth-round pick who was like, oh, this kid's got talent, but he's raw. So it's one of those types of things where it's, and look, we said the same thing about Wentz. Too, so who knows? <laughs> and we said the same thing about Lane Johnson. <laughs> exactly. Which is, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, look, I, I, let's put it this way, John. I, if you had told me before the season started, hey, week five, you know, that's the last week you'll have Lane heading into week six. The next 10 weeks is this rookie you're taking the fifth round. I would have been like, we're screwed. I feel much more optimistic about it now than I did back then, or I would have back yeah, then. Yeah, it's interestingly, I mean, it, it kind of plays out into, I, in their favor a little bit. I also wonder, I also wonder too, if Lane Johnson, if he just would have done something to try and get mm-hmm. four games. It would have been four games. The shit, that's what I mean. Like when you, go, when you go from zero to ten, like, and that's it. Was there an option there? I mean, that is all about the money. Oh, at that yeah, point, we, right? Like we, yep. we, we kind of hinted that and mentioned that. It was just like, oh yeah, that's it's kind of a. It's, it's probably about the right. money. So it's how, like if I get zero, I get to keep my whole signing bonus. If I get anything else, I don't. Right. So I wonder. I wonder if Roseman is a little pissed. I mean, it shouldn't be because you can now. If this happens again. There's a, a, a big door pissed. out of it, but yeah, don't you I'd think you'd be, be a little pissed if it, if if, if he's just and going for Doug? all or nothing? And Doug too, like in the sense of like, all right, so I get you want your money, but you had the chance to give us six more games this season, potentially, likely, and you decided to to take that risk, and it screwed us. Yeah, I'd be pissed off. How could you not be? I think Doug has even more reason to be pissed off. Yeah, it, uh, but it, as this is happening and shaking out now, it's oddly like I think everybody would mostly agree. That the way this thing played out and Big V coming in at this time versus Starting, having to start yeah. in game one, week one against the Browns, it's, it's probably made Carson a little more comfortable mm-hmm. there. You've you've seen you know four games with him now. He's seen four games, and he's avoided pressure beautifully. Yeah. Like, as as we just said in the last segment, like there is there's no better QB right now playing best and completing more passes than Carson Wentz is under pressure. So that gives him some, a little more time. Um, you know, the audibling and the, everything that kind of goes in that package, it's it's kind of a good deal to kind of run in and, and do that. Now, I just I just wonder if how, you know, I don't want to play the, the what-if game, but, I mean, honestly, how bad could it be? You know, like, how bad could this really be? Is there going to be uh, such a train wreck that comes in through I mean, it could be. You? Here's the thing. More than anything else in the sport, and maybe in any sport, there's no other position that matters more to be playing with your guys than O-line. It's all about... Those five guys being cohesive, playing together, continuity. It is the most important thing about the position and in the sport in terms of continuity. So you're going to have issues. Like, there are going to be breakdowns. There's going to be situations where we'll be like, ah, man, he missed his guy. He missed his 
assignment, whatever it is. But um, and I think it'll be evident. I think it'll be very clear on the screen. But at the same time, I do think that as long as they scheme around it and and play to his strengths, I think it can be okay. Here's the other thing that's messed up about uh, Halapuli uh, Vati. Big Vita. V, man, come on. No, John. I wanted to say that because it drives this point home. Do you know his twin brothers are just named Kevin and William? <laughs> what is that about? How man? did he draw that straw? Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> at what, at most... what point? At what point in this process? We have the, okay. So we got the kids. They're yeah. three triplets. Okay. Yeah, get triplets. triplets. Yeah. Okay. So Kevin, what was it? Kevin? Kevin William. Kevin William, and let's just come up with some insane sounding. Is that what happened? How does that I think happen? In their, I think that somebody carries the name like of of. So he's in, a junior or a third, or something or like that. Somebody in the family has to c- so continue on that like short the legacy. Stick on this, it's but I'm awful. Saying, that's what I'm Poor saying. Guy, and it looks and it's so funny too because you look at him and he's obviously he's huge. I mean, yeah. he's, he's a right tackle, right? And then you see him like just monstrously coming in, like he's just going to wreck shop. And then you listen to him talking, like, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> and it's so like it's such a dramatic turn and, and backwards thing. And not that I'm making fun of his voice, he's just he's very intelligent, sure. he's very down to earth. He's just, "I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do a good job," type of thing. So it really throws you off. But I, I really did think it was uh, rather weird that that's, his brothers, that, honestly, that's William, the weirdest thing about all of it. It's yes. like what, the, the, despite how good or bad he does, it's still more messed up that his brothers like, have the yes. simplest names. It's to like pronounce. if you said, "All right, this Bill this Kevin. guy's brothers are, are Kevin and Bill or whatever." Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Like, <laughs> how many guesses until you get it for all the guesses? We're just going around like at family fun, or like <laughs> yes. just friendly fun. Is my brother Kevin and Halapuli? You know, excuse me. Uh, I would just start calling him Dave. Yeah, exactly. Yes, right? Tom chiming in beautifully. Yeah, so exactly. Just Dave's fine with me. I like Dave. Has a V in it, right? Dave. Yeah. Dave. Can't spell. You can't spell Dave without V. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Martin and Willing uh, Wilmington. Excuse me, Martin. What's going on, man? You're on BGN Radio. Hey, listen, let me just say something about Carson Wentz, the past Philadelphia quarterbacks who can hit anybody in rhythm and you can go back to Sammy Ball or just a few before Randall Cunningham could get Carson Wentz's value. You got the man. Now, take Deshaun Jackson, a quick crossing pattern, pattern in rhythm where he can go one juke and turn on the speed. Get some yak a, is what you're saying. Yeah. Or a deep crossing pattern or a double move on a long bomb where Carson Wentz can throw all four passes, including a short screen to a running back. Carson Wentz can do that like no other Eagles quarterback ever since Sammy Ball. I'm going to put that on the table because I know a lot of y'all like to talk. But when you talk about a quarterback, and a prolific receiver that's missing on the Philadelphia Eagles, one who could put up threat, not attitude, not if you like him or don't like him, but when it comes to the one who could threaten NFL defenses, you're talking about Carson Wentz and Deshaun Jackson. Well, and it's, you know, and Martin, you know, it's it, uh, it comes up every time because it's what it's we're going on year three of uh, of this uh, kind of happening. And though it's a listen, I I I love Deshaun. I love 2010. Deshaun Jackson. And in my mind, that sounds great. Uh, and there are a lot of people, there are a lot of wide receivers that I think I would take over pretty much anybody in this wide receiving core. Yes, Deshaun Jackson I, is better. And yes, they have those threats there. But, I mean, 
I, I, so is, I mean, Vincent Jackson is also going to be available and would be better on this wide receiving court. doesn't mean it's a great idea. That's not true. Yeah, that's and, not and, true. and you also have that's Michael not, Floyd that's going to be there. That, Teddy Ginn, true. who have all had productive careers and better catches and better hands than three-fourths of this wide receiving core. So I that's understand where you're coming from, but it doesn't mean it's a great idea just to bring Deshaun back because of that old feeling. You know, I think he's, okay. I, I think the speed is still there. I'm not taking that. He's he's definitely not the same type of guy. I think he's going to come out here and do his thing and do three three wrecks, 78 yards, and a touchdown and a loss and head home. Sir, excuse me. You're taking out of context of for the first time since Sammy Ball, the Philadelphia Eagles have a quarterback that can hit. Oh no, in stride. I get it. There's a ton of there's a ton of guys in slap panels that you can do that. Hold on for a minute. Hold on for a minute because you won't hear this again. That in the NFL. Deshaun Jackson, who is a Philadelphia lover, just like LaShawn McCoy and this guy that you're talking about on a suspension for 10 games. When it comes to the attitudes and the talent, you host, co-hosts, and ex-players are uh, explaining why you don't want a prolific player on your team. No, we're we not, we're not. We're not. I want one. I'll tell you what. We'll get into. Give me a. I'll take one. I'm not. Do you have one? Is he I'm offering exactly, us a prolific we'll, we'll player? Show you, we'll show you how much we are not in or in desperate need of a prolific player because uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to throw a bunch of these guys in the trash. And we'll get to that just after the Blake, uh, break. Excuse me. Jimmy Kempsey coming up at 7 o'clock from the Billy Boys. It's BGN Radio right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Deshaun Jackson, prolific wide receiver, not a thing I would say. Not a thing I would say. That's what I wanted to get out there. Prolific runner. Yeah, great runner. Uh, if you're bringing him back for no guaranteed money and it's a, it is a very, let's call it a Reuben Randall type of deal, sure, I'm open to that. Uh, it's BGN Radio, James <laughs> Zeltzer and John Barchard hanging out here. I, you know, I, I just don't understand, and it's still like we jump out of the birthday cake every time Deshaun Jackson comes up. You know, it's just... And it's here, and we're going to talk about it almost every every time that Philadelphia plays Washington. It's just, it's just what happens. And uh, it, it, I mean, James and I have been so critical as to say that even in the NFC East, we'd probably swap out wide receiving cores mm-hmm. for what's going on here in, in Philadelphia because you have a quarterback just like you know Martin was saying. I do agree that hitting guys in stride is absolutely, absolutely dead on. Yes, it, and it, whether it's short, medium, or long, he seems to have that. I mean, the the, the opposite hash throws with the 15-yard outs, like, the, you just don't, that is not a dink and dunk, air yards, whatever you want to call it, easy throw. Like, Carson Wentz is, brings up the ability, brings up the level of play for everyone on this football team. So I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I would I would roll with Teddy Ginn before I decided Ooh. to Ooh-hoo. touch Deshaun again, only because of the money that's yeah, going to come through sure. there. Deshaun, as much as we loved him, and yes, the miracle of the Meadowlands is always going to be there. I'm not trying to put the guy down. He's had some great times being in an Eagles uniform. But he never, never wanted to become a better wide receiver. And you can say everything you want about loving Philadelphia and the same with Shady. Those guys love the money. Yep. Period. Every NFL player is like that. Don't get that to it. There are very few guys that are just like, yeah, I really like playing here. You know, I really like being here, and I'll take the, I'll take the hometown discount or whatever. Sean Jackson needs to get paid one more time. It's a contract year. Mm-hmm. Like there is, I I I don't know. Well, I I just don't understand the constant like, oh yeah, if we just had Deshaun back, listen, we still should be talking about Jeremy Macklin not being yes, there. Like that's, that's the guy the that guy. this guy misses. 
Again, for like the, the, however long we've had this conversation, Macklin has always been the better wide receiver than Deshaun Jackson. Sorry. Yeah, it's not in my mind. It's not really that close. There's so much more that Macklin can do. But regardless of that, just on the Deshaun Jackson thing, this is a guy who's number one, really number one, two, three, four, and five assets is his speed, is his ability to break away, his ability to get open deep. He's 30 years old. You don't spend <laughs> on a guy who is 30 or older whose prime asset is speed. It's just not good business. But somebody who might spend that money, <laughs> somebody who might do that next year, is heavily on this week on the NFC least. Well, Johnny, as we uh, we like to do, we've not had the chance to get an NFC East game yet this season. So what we like to do with the NFC least is, uh, you know, when we're, we're facing up against one of those teams, we like to just hammer them completely. So what's going on down in Washington? Yeah, well, I mean, like, we like to just completely ha- Philadelphia's <laughs> absolved of everything. The Giants, you get it's the bye week for them in terms of the NFC lease. The Cowboys, which you're is all amazing. Good. It's amazing. It's amazing. For us to give Dallas a week off, it takes something special. So, I mean, let's just let's just open up the can of worms here. First of all, <laughs> first of all, this team should not be 3 and 2. No. Period. Stop no. trying to sell me that they just came and bounced back up and oh, here comes Washington out of the leadership of Kirk Cousins and Jay freaking Gruden who has the ugliest face in the NFL. One of the most punchable, who continues to make bad decisions over and over again, just like his quarterback. Do not tell me that this team is back. They are. They have been done and doneer and done since they were zero and two. The only reason why they're three and two is because magically somehow C.J. Mosley last week decides to uh, throw a pick six into the end zone. Yeah, that's it. it that's it. That is the entire ball game right there. Overthrowing Mike Wallace right there. They are a terrible. Football team, not to mention the week previously that somehow, some way, Dan Snyder paid the refs off to make sure that Duke Johnson, even though he was holding the football in his hand, declare that it was indeed Washington's ball. Like, honestly, this team is not a 3-2 and team. They're not suddenly capturing what they had last year when they were 9-7 and and losing to teams that were better than them over 500 and beating crappy teams over and over and over. This isn't last year. Sam Bradford's not walking through that door. Chip Kelly's not walking through that door. Give it a rest. I'm tired of hearing about Washington and their comebacks. Well, at least they have a quarterback, right? I mean, he's making $20 million. Everyone's got to know who that guy is, right? No, because he's noodle-armed. He's noodle-armed. Listen to me. He went again. He did the RG3, and Washington ate it up. They ate it up. They made it into the playoffs. They were there, and somehow, somehow, he took the, you like that, which everybody hated, RG3 for making a branding out of himself, and they adored it. They loved it. They ate it up. They bought his jerseys. They're saying, here comes the man. Here he can. They were so confident in him, in his long-term future. That You know what they did? They tagged him. They tagged him because they didn't trust him, and you're seeing it this year. Awful. Just terrible. Bad decisions. Bad arms. No arm. This guy cannot throw. Michigan State produces terrible quarterbacks. It's just a, an acceptable thing in the NFL. Well, Jim Schwartz is a big fan of his, though, right? I, I think Jim had a, a lot to say. Jim Schwartz <laughs> forgot your name in a press conference. Your name could be Kurt Coupons. It could be Kurt spelled with a C. It doesn't. You're going to be irrelevant in a year. And the funny thing is, they're going to have to sign you again. They have no options at quarterback. They're going to be not bad enough to be a part of the Deshaun Watson race, who didn't look that great to begin with today anyway. And 
you're probably going to you're going to be the team that's going to overpay Deshaun Jackson, aren't you? He's going to show you something in the last seven or six games here, and you're going to open that big fat wallet, Dan, and you're just going to shove it right into his pocket because I know that's what you like to do. I know there's been a GM change there, but you are dying to spend money, and I got to give credit for just a second because Josh Norman is the only free agent that I think has actually worked out here. Hey, John, by the way, still racist down there, right? Oh, yeah, no, completely racist. (laughs) 100% racist. So, like, when you get caught with a Twitter handle called Redskins Facts, right? And and you just get, you're, you're trying to push your own propaganda over something that you just need to let go and change the freaking name. Washington Waste Team. You deserve <laughs> all of that. I cannot believe. That was believe... awesome. I can't believe you have anything left into you to keep talking. I, I right could now. go for days about this franchise. <laughs> we didn't even talk about Snyder, really. No, no. That's what I'm saying. There's too much to fit in to just because the Cowboys, right? You have that rivalry back and forth. You're always going to hate the Cowboys. Sure, you're going to hate the Giants, but you kind of respect both of those teams mm-hmm. at all times. It, I didn't even get to the point. I'm going to keep going, even though like <laughs> FedEx, FedEx Field is a dumpster fire. Yeah. FedEx Field, you get charged $40, $30 to park 15 minutes away from the stadium <laughs> to have some dum-dum, you know, to, oh, he's gonna bring it, <laughs> to have, here, let's fire it up, to have some dum-dum kind of roll up there, and, and, and you're, I mean, you're going to be drunk and thrown out and, and just sitting in your own puke and wondering what happened to your life that you're just sitting here rooting for this football team. I don't understand. They're, the, 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 I mean, Washington fans are way more objective. I'll give them that. But that's only because half of your stadium, more than half of your stadium gets filled up by opposing teams and their fans at the end of the year consistently. Or it's just empty. Like there's three weeks of hope and joy. And then as soon as you get to week two, you're already going, well, what are the Nationals doing? Because that's it. Year. That is it. Okay, now that's really it, I think. On the FedEx field thing, though, it is it, it, like it's not horrible. Well, if you ask like literally anybody who works in the NFL, anybody, what is the worst stadium in the NFL? They will all say FedEx field. It's unbelievable. It's like <laughs> Merrill I'm not says kidding. it, I think, every I'm, week. I have talked to at least, I can think of at least 10 different people from 10 different like spots in the NFL who have all told me point blank. FedEx Field is easily the worst field. In the yeah, no, it, no doubt about it. I think I've been to a game there twice, and the second time was enough. <laughs> they were both Eagles wins. It was enjoyable. It was great to be in there, but I was just like, man, this, this – I mean, it's not in a city at all. It's caught in between – you say what you will about Baltimore. It's, a, it's right least, in the dead center. It's next to Camden Yard. Yes, it's right, it's there. right there. Yeah. Not that I want to live in Baltimore either, but still, it's just <laughs> – it, it is there. Like, Washington is so – it needs to – I don't want it to disappear at the same time because it's, you know, yeah, it's a check mark at, yeah. the, end, at the end of the year or whatever. Just like, yeah, Washington push them out. But that's that's the thing I can't understand about this franchise. It's just like they're in, they're staring down the barrel here. I, I think of of a huge decision. So Scotty over there, who's in the in the GM chair, who's I, I have to admit has done a really good job trying to like make sure that they don't do anything too crazy, here. especially dealing with Snyder. Yeah, exactly. And and in this whole Cousins thing, I think they've played it very smartly. Uh, you're starting to see some of the the draft picks kind of get on there. We'll break them down a little bit too as we get uh, talking with Jimmy Kemsky here in the next seven minutes or so. But I, I don't know. They they're at a they they have the same problem that you know the Eagles are 
have been having. They don't have a quarterback, really. Um, and I, I just don't see them steadily improving, especially with Jay Gruden being there. Like, at what point are you just like, this? yeah, this guy's a, a bad coach who's going to hold on, and they're going to hold on tight to, I think, that combination as long as they can before making a huge change. Yeah, Washington seems to be that team where they will be terrible, 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 have one good year where they make the playoffs, and then completely overreact that year. It's the same, like, circle that they keep going in. Overreact the, that the, year, try and build around that, stink again. You know what I mean? Like, but trade away their picks, their own first-round picks. It's really been an ugly cycle there. It's the Kirk Ferentz uh, syndrome, <laughs> yeah, and, that's, yes. and it happens a lot in this. I think it, it, you could probably say it's probably the Jeff Fisher syndrome. It actually, is. That's is a better one, except she never actually has that good season. That <laughs> exactly. A, a kind of a good season. Yeah, it just, it just spirals out. Like, they spike. They have what, And that's happened a lot in the NFC East, sure. so I, mean, I can't take that away from just every other team. And he that kept his too. job a few extra years because of that year in 2010. That's right. And I think that's kind of what's, I mean, thank God for Dak Prescott in Dallas and for Jason Garrett's sake. Oh, yeah. Because I don't, I don't think that there was any way that they're going to keep him on it. Who knows? It could completely you know, crumble and, and come to an end. We're just not looking at it. But we got a plenty to break down in this one. Jimmy Kemsky from the Philly Voice is going to join us right at 7 o'clock. That's next on BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. You like that? You like that? It's BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Uh, I love ripping Washington. It's one of my favorite it, pastimes. It, it just feels right yeah. you know it's one of those things where you get that nice feeling in the cockles of your belly there just it, nice, it feels good nice thank there. you thank you uh well one man who is uh i know is a big fan of doing the same thing uh, also a big fan of air yards and a bunch of other things <laughs> including some old fashions which i uh, also take part in it's mr jimmy kemsky from the billy voice jimmy what's happening tonight man how are you bud John, James, what do you get in your stomach again there, James? It's a, it's a good feeling in the cockles of my, my belly here. Uh, okay. pop, you know, I'm ripping Washington. It makes me feel good, Jim. Okay. <laughs> that's, <laughs> really, that's really the only acceptable response there is, okay. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've been, we've been talking about a lot of stuff tonight, but then uh, obviously Big V is, is kind of on everybody's mind. And I don't know, what's your, what's your kind of feel with this thing? I, I know it's been kind of like a... Trust the coaches type of thing. Every time they they seem to have a lot of confidence in in guys, I get uh, very skeptical of that. But then they always come out and prove me wrong. But how do you think he's going to fare for the next ten weeks here? Big V is always on everyone's mind. Uh, <laughs> but he uh, didn't look good in training camp, and I don't think he looked all that good in the preseason games. Uh, Doug Peterson had said that you know the the improve and Frank Reich as well both said that um, you know that he'd shown a lot of improvement. Uh, from training camp and, until now, and they made the point that he faces the Eagles' defensive line um, every day in practice and has done well against them. Uh, so they feel comfortable putting him in there as opposed to kicking Alan Barbary out from left guard to right tackle and then having Stefan Wisniewski slide in at left guard uh, in the spot vacated by Barber. So, yeah, I mean, you, you're, you're only switching out one position as opposed to two. Of course, in this matchup, you know, he's going to face – two uh, different very good edge rushers in Ryan Kerrigan and Preston. They both kind of switch around and, and play both sides, and both guys can get after the pass. They both have to get for the quarterback. So Ooh, you know, still... they're going to give him a lot of help, whether it be tight ends or, or running backs chipping. But, you know, certainly that's, that's a big test for, for a fifth-round pick rookie. Is that uh, kind of like the Eagles' Achilles heel, you think, this season? Or do you, do you think that – Anything else is is going to be sticking out there, and you know, kind of might be their downfall uh, towards you know the the latter half of the season here. 
Well, so far they've been healthy along the offensive line, which has, you know, been huge really because they knew that they were going to be losing Lane Johnson eventually. So that's, you know, the, the fact that they've been able to stay healthy so far this season has, you know, kind of been a big thing for them. You remember back in 2014 where, you know, Lane Johnson was suspended for four games and they that was coupled with a lot of other injuries. They, they had like one guy starting in, the, in his normal spot uh, during that, 49ers game out in San Francisco where they actually oh, got three defensive or special teams uh. touchdowns and still lost that game because the offense got nothing going whatsoever. So they've at least been fortunate that the rest of the line has stayed healthy and, and they've only had to switch out that one spot. But uh, it could be. I, I have no idea. I mean, there's really no way I can tell how he's going to play until we actually see him go out and play on Sunday. And, you know, a bunch of other things that were – a lot of things I was thinking about uh, with, you know, the, the coaching regime and, and everything that's kind of – Changed hands here, and obviously Doug Peterson's done a fantastic job so far. But um, you know the defense has obviously improved with Shorts being there. I, when you look at the offense, has has much of it really improved as far as like player by player? Like Jordan Matthews still looks like he's kind of the same guy. Ryan Matthews still looks like he's kind of the same guy. How much is is Wentz kind of elevating this offense right now? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you give. Carson Wentz a ton of the credit for that obviously and you know Jordan Matthews numbers are right on par with you know right where he was at uh, a season ago Josh Huff is you know pretty much the same guy that he was uh, or has been since he's been in the NFL Nelson Aguilar is certainly better than he was last year although that's not a high bar by any stretch <laughs> of season. Um, and you know I mean, obviously Riley Cooper and, and Miles Austin are no longer around I don't care who you put out there it's going to be an upgrade but yeah obviously the, the wide receiver corps are you know among the worst in the NFL. Uh, so, you know, they, they do have some good tight ends in, in Zach Ertz and Brent Selleck and, and Trey Burton, who I you know think they still have to get a little bit more involved. They do have numbers at the running back position, uh, and they're, they're, they were using them at least through the first three weeks. They got away from that a little bit in that fourth game in Detroit. Uh, but, you know, the big difference, obviously, is Carson Wentz and the way that he's played. I think the offensive line has given him, more, has, has given him better protection, uh, obviously with the, with the playbook being, you know, massively expanded. Um, from going from Chip Kelly to Doug Peterson, I think that helps. You know, certainly defenses are less expectant of, of, of what's going to, of what's going to come. Whereas under Chip Kelly, you pretty much you know knew he was going to run one of three different plays, and if you pick the right play, then it blow up like in Tech Mobile. So <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. But obviously, the way that Carson Wentz has played so far has been stellar. You know, you look at what Sam Bradford did at the end of last season. He was certainly better at the end of last season than he was earlier in the season, but early in the season last year when he was still kind of recovering from that ACL, he was dreadful. So the difference between Sam Bradford early in the season and what Carson Wentz has done for the first four games is drastic. Hey, Jimmy, you mentioned the uh, the poor wide receiving core in, in Philly that we mentioned, and let's uh, segue this into this upcoming game this week. It seems like no matter what, every time uh, uh, the Eagles play Washington – Deshaun Jackson is the story. It always comes up, but well, first of all, it's Jimmy's fault. Yes, we all blame Jimmy. Jimmy. Yes, see, I'll, I'll say, I'll how, how say, yeah, I'll <laughs> say this. Uh, I go so far as to say, when I hear the the name Deshaun Jackson, I think Jimmy Kemsky there first before right, I think anything right? else. So, uh, but Jimmy, I think because it is the last season of that contract, we have heard more this this kind of week leading up of of oh, bring Deshaun back to Philly. It sounded like his conference call with the media, which I'm sure you were there for. Uh, was kind of, oh, you know, open to coming back. Uh, do you think there's any sort of realistic chance that Deshaun Jackson is an eagle again at any point? And B, kind of how do you look at the whole Jackson scenario heading into this week? Yeah, the odds on that are extremely low. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's 30 years old, and, um, you know, he still has speed. 
he, he can still he can still run past past defenders, and he's gotten open deep a number of times this year. And uh, uh, Kirk Cousins just hasn't been able to connect with him on a number of occasions. They've missed some some really big play opportunities to, to Deshaun uh, through no fault of Deshaun. So he 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 still can play, and he's burned you know he's specifically burned the Eagles uh, the last couple of years. So you know he's a guy who who can still get it done. And but you know when you're when you're going to be 30 years old, and really the the I won't say the only thing that he brings to the table, but certainly by far the best thing that he brings to the table is speed. And once you lose a little bit of your speed and you don't have much to fall back on, you know, you're going to have a shorter career than a lot of other you know receivers that, that kind of rely on other things, such as like you look at Anquan Bolden, for example, uh, last week in Detroit. That guy's still playing, and he's, what, 36 years old? Mm-hmm. He's got a skill set that's kind of more conducive to playing for a long time. So you know, Deshaun Jackson's career is going gonna, is gonna to be winding down at some point. I don't know when that will be. But it's a pretty risky, you know, guy to kind of go after in free agency when you're when you're old and and you know the, the best thing that you do is is run fast. Well, it's funny too because I remember maybe I'm wrong here, but wasn't Howie wasn't a big fan of Deshaun either, right? I mean, as it as he kind of played on. Um, I mean, they drafted him. Well, I mean, <laughs> so yeah, like, true. I I just thought funny. that was more of like kind of a an Andy feel. I just remember kind of maybe I got that wrong, but yeah, that that, that I can't say. I, I really don't know on that one. Uh, well, regardless of that, I mean, you will get look. I just ripped Washington for a good ten minutes <laughs> during the <laughs> NFC least. I I heard you say with our own Mark Barzetta at the uh, at the, on the seven hundred level show that you said that the NFC East is. Better than you thought it would be, but I, I mean, like in terms of wins, sure, maybe in a little competition, but I, I mean, I, I really see this still coming down to kind of two teams. I don't, I don't know if I'm sold on the NFC East being like this, this massive, you know, uh, contending division here. What am I seeing that uh, you're not, or what am I not seeing that you're seeing, my friend? Well, the Eagles are a hell of a lot better than we than anyone could have imagined they were going to be. So you know, right off the bat, there's one team, and then I think pretty obviously the Cowboys are a lot better than. Than a lot of teams, uh, I'm sorry, than a lot of people thought they'd be. I mean, that's a team that uh, is playing without Tony Romo, is playing without Tyron Smith, is playing without Des Bryant. You can make the argument that those three guys are the three best players on that team, and they're they're winning without them. So, I mean, that's a team that I thought going into the season was had really kind of had a dreadful defense. But what they've done is what they did in 2014, which is they're overworking their running back, and it's paying off for them. Um, where they're able to, to sustain longer drives and, you know, they're not taking many chances down the field, but they're moving the chains and they're keeping that defense off the field and has resulted in a 4-1 and one record so far for them. So that's a team that's playing well and kind of understands what they are as a team and, and they're, they're playing the way that they should. Now the Redskins, you know, they're 3-2. and two. They're, they're certainly not a team that I would look at and go, that's a 3-2 and two team. <laughs> um, you know, they, they got some breaks against the Cleveland Browns. They got really lit up. Uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought that was a, a game that really kind of exposed them a little bit. And you look at what they are in terms of, you know, their roster. They have a lot of injuries as well. They, they lost both their safeties. They, uh, they're, they're gonna, they were without Vishal uh, Breland for, for a little while. He's, he may or may not be back uh, for this game. They, you know, they, they, uh, they, they're, they're, their linebacker, uh, Sua Cravens, has, has a concussion. He may or may not play this week. And then you have their most dynamic player on offense in, in Jordan Reed. Who knows how long he'll be out? I've heard that it's going to be a near zero percent percent chance that he's going to play uh, on Sunday against the Eagles. So they are pretty banged up, and and I don't think that they're a very strong team. Uh, but again, it's not a team that I thought was very good heading into the season either. And then the Giants, I thought they had really kind of a, a potential to be a bottom five to ten type of team this year, and they've been better than uh, than I thought they'd be. Although certainly that's not a team that's that's overly talented either. But, you know, on the whole, certainly the, the, the NFC East, I believe, is better than I thought it was going to be. 
uh, even if it, you know, even if there are maybe no real kind of juggernauts of it in the division. Just to add to that, uh, Washington has ruled Jordan Reed and Sua Cravens out oh, they did. this okay. weekend. Well, so uh, there you go with that. <laughs> Jimmy, uh, speaking about the division and kind of the importance of this game, uh, if we just talked about the NFC East and how you think it's a little bit better. How do you see the NFC East shaking out this season? And in line with that, how important is this game to both of these teams on Sunday? Yeah, I think the division game is huge, obviously. And, you know, the Eagles are coming off a pretty tough loss, so you want to kind of get get back in the win column as soon as you can, especially with the Eagles' schedule coming up, which is brutal over the next – I forget exactly what the record – the combined record of the next X number of teams that they play, but it's uh, – it's A lot to a little, have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's my understanding that they have um, – the hardest remaining schedule uh, in the NFL in, in terms of, you know, the records the teams have put up through, through the first five weeks of the season. So, I mean, they, they have to kind of put this one in the bank and and, uh, and and go forward. And obviously, you know, any any division win is, is, is huge for tiebreakers down the road. But I think it's like you said, I, I, you mentioned that you thought it was a two-team race, and that's kind of the way that I'm leaning as well. I think the Eagles and the Cowboys are, are very clearly the two most talented and, and best teams in, in this division. It's going to come down to those two teams. And, you know, they play each other on week 17, so we may get uh, treated to a Sunday night, uh, you know, kind of pre-playoff game uh, between the Eagles and the, and the Cowboys there. It'll be uh, be exciting. Well, I don't know if it'll be exciting or not, but it'll be uh, <laughs> nerve-wracking. It, 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 nerve-wracking is, a... <laughs> is probably a better set. Uh, Jimmy uh, Kemsky from the Philly Voice, we appreciate your time on a Saturday night, bud. Enjoy the, uh, enjoy the bourbon this evening. I will absolutely not be partaking in alcohol. Uh, Philly voice. Thank you. <laughs> Jimmy, we appreciate it, but thanks, man. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think there's – see, he kind of touched on it a little. Oh, yeah, sorry. What, what, no, you I was going to say I just the... did some quick math. Just over the next six games, which is Minnesota, Dallas, the Giants, Atlanta, Seattle, and Green Bay, it's a 16-7 and seven record for those teams. So that's it's pretty good. It, yeah, like – and, and, look, if you take the Giants out of two and three, you've got – a five and O team, a four and one, four and one, three and one, three and one. So it's pretty good. And uh, Jimmy touched on it a little bit there, and you know we haven't touched on that yet because that was one of the things that we thought coming into this thing was uh, was a huge deal. I I absolutely think that I mean whatever you want to call it, must win. Sure, you know it's a division game. It's always important, but I, I honestly think when we look back at the end of the year, if they don't win this football game, that's what's going to come back yeah. to. Bite him in the buns here. And, you know, it could be Detroit, too, or something else like that. It's right. just like you they didn't quite have to win. You can anyone in hindsight, but, yes, I, th- I think As far as the division goes, like, they need to win yeah, this game. They I think absolutely it's a, I think to. you can almost call it a, a loser leaves town kind of match in the sense that, like, I'm not going to say that if you lose this game, you're absolutely not going to the playoffs. But whoever of these two loses this game, it's it's a much longer shot that they're going to get. I think it's more Washington if they lose. They're, they're, they're kind of done here. But, Minnesota. Uh, but it, Dallas, Giants, Atlanta, Seattle, Green Bay. I know I'm just saying there are a lot of potential games coming up that the Eagles could potentially likely should lose. This is a game they got to win. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because now that you you looked at Cincinnati's probably the only saving grace in there, too, right? Because you're like, ooh, uh, that's going to be a that's going to be a huge stretch. And you get like a mini break. I'm not I'm not saying that it's a. Automatic win, you can chug it up, but it, it tends to be a lot easier. It's Cincinnati and Atlanta basically flip themselves. Yeah. So, you know, and you get Atlanta a little early there. So it's, yeah, it's it's nerve-wracking going into this thing because if they, and that's the thing, if the Eagles lose, what's the conversation on Monday? Mm-hmm. You know, because you really got to reconsider that, and we're going to reconsider a lot of those things uh, heading into the break here. It's BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. It is... 
a really important game. That's the one thing that we've, in, a, in the hour and 20 minutes that we've been doing the show, the main thing that we've been meaning to say is, like, they have to win this football game. <laughs> it only took us an hour and 20 to get there. It's PGN Radio with John Barchard and James Elter. But, it, it, I mean, that I can't stop thinking about that now because that is, you lose this game, it's, you're going to be in trouble. Like, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, I don't know if it's curtains. I don't, I'm not I don't know. It's curtains. I, I know that, but, like, it, the, when you look at the way the schedule shakes out, you're right. Yes, obviously, technically, it's not curtains. But the way this schedule shakes out, if they lose this game, it's really hard to envision a way that they are a playoff team. You can't have another first half like you did against Detroit. Basically, Absolutely for not. The, yeah. Whatever. For the rest of the, that's the point, is, is all margin for error is gone if you lose this game. You can yeah, that need buffer to, you, that we're thinking yeah, you that need can that, be you there. Need, yeah. You need all the upsets. You don't just need one upset. You know what I mean? You need to upset every. You know, it's, there's there's no way out if you lose this game. 888-729-9494. If you want to get in, tell us your X Factors or whatever you're thinking for this game. Do you think that this, if they lose this football game, that it's going to, you know, be the end of them, I guess. You know, when you well, look back the at season, the end, when yeah. you look back at the <laughs> end of the year and if they just come up a little short. Maybe we'll be looking at this game a lot. As we go to Joe in uh, Blackwood. Joe, you're on uh, 94 WIP. Hey, Don, guys. Good, man. Listen, um, I, I think the schedule killed the Eagles. I think the three the three bye weeks in a row that they played the team off the bye is just later in the year, it's just, they're just brutal. And I know that, what's his name, Howard Katz, he, he's the schedule maker, and I think he's a genius because he does the last few games against the division rivals. Okay, a fifth grader could do that. To me, <laughs> this is the second time in four, four years Andy Reid's last year, they had the three team. They played three teams off mm-hmm. of a bye. You're right, and that's you know you have to lobby, and I don't understand why it happened to us. Doesn't happen to Dallas. I know, I know, I'm I'm a homer. Doesn't happen to the Giants. So I want to see them either Dallas or the Giants get three, three, three against. You know, you have it next. If it, if it, if it doesn't matter, and, and you know, uh, the sportscaster says it doesn't matter, but when you talk to a player. Who, who is a sports catcher? He said, "Oh yeah, my body." Oh yeah, and, and to be a little fair, I remember. Yeah. Da- I mean, Dallas came that Thursday, uh, Thanksgiving game when Mark Sanchez kind of ran in there and lit it up. I mean, they they had to. There was a short week. The Eagles were coming off of a bye, and they had a, they had four days to rest there. So I, and I, I the Giants think it, it just had out. it. The Giants just played on Monday night, then had to go play. Plus, you know? they got to go to London. Yeah. So, yeah. so the Giants got one this time, but normally the Giants are, are the darlings of the NFL, and he's got to be from New York. Howard Cassidy has to be from New York. He has to be. So, so you got him, then you got you know it's such an unbalanced schedule that that's going to kill us. The, the one it looked like Morelli was. You hate to blame a ref, but he's incredible. Yeah. He stunk. He was brutal last week. I mean, when you see something that partial, and what's the Eagles' record with Morelli? Is it 0 and 11 or 0 and something? I mean, something. I think if you look, it's 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 brutal with this guy. So uh, again, then the Eagles play. I think they play on the Thursday night, and the Giants have the bye week the week before. So that is an uh, incredible, uh, an incredible. Um, advantage for the Giants. So there's a loss. I, there's no way that their bodies are going to recover. So I, I look at it like that. And then I had something to say. Before the draft, I was trying everything possible. I was begging the Eagles to throw every asset they could at to get Melvin Gordon because I, I did Ezekiel not want Elliott, Ezekiel. You mean? I, no, I wanted oh, them to, to Melvin get Gordon Melvin the previous Gordon. year. Okay. Right. No, this year because I didn't want Ezekiel Elliott on the, on the Cowboys because the Cowboys then would have taken Joey Bosa. You you can 
You can game plan. Uh, you're saying, oh, so you want it, you want, there, so then the Chargers yeah. would take Zeke. I was confused Yeah, there. no, that's a, man, that would have been great. Sure. How about <laughs> just having someone, it was a roundabout way to get there. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know, Melvin Gordon's actually looking pretty good. But, and I'm but sure it's just more the idea, yeah, it's just more the idea, the whole thought process there is, is get rid of Melvin Gordon so at three they have to take Zeke instead of taking Joey Bosa. That just seems I mean, like a Joey, very Joey Bosa's round, been looking pretty good. Hey, look, you yeah. know what? Joey Bosa on the Cowboys probably makes a difference too. So let's yeah, not, yeah. you know, get carried away here. I understand where he's coming from, though. It would been I I don't think yeah, that I it's going to. I don't want Zeke on the Cowboys. Listen, I, uh, Zeke has been has been doing very well. I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve everything until we. You know that that matchup again. Like I want to see. Granted, he can do whatever he wants against the league, and he can get all the praise that he wants. But you know, just like we've seen the past couple of years with the, this defensive line, they somehow are able to slow down that running game a little bit. So I want to, you know, let's wait and see on the Zeke train uh, when it comes to Philadelphia. As we go to our good friend Scott, brother Scott in Barrington. What's happening, bud? How are you? Jay and Jay Security. What's going on, fellas? <laughs> what's up, brother? What's up, bud? Man, look. Just listen to you guys and your sports town's ability. So thank you for that. And um, you already know my catchphrase. Let's get down to business. That's right. And let's talk sports and I'll be out your way. Um, uh, quick question. Um, what two things are you looking for out of the Eagles on tomorrow's game? And I'll give you my two. Sure. Um, it just general across the board, Scotty? Yes, sir. Okay, that's a good one. I'm I'm looking for them to run the football. I'm looking for Smallwood and Barner to be involved in the game plan in one way or another. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I'll say shut down to Sean Jackson. No long <laughs> yeah. plays. Okay. What about what, what about you? Um, yeah, I think there's I, I, kind of the same thing. I, I just kind of want them to dip back into the things that they were supposed to do against Detroit. I want to see Ertz okay. get more involved. I actually want to see. I want to see them go to Jordan Matthews early instead of late, and I don't know if that's a, a Matthews hang-up or if that's a scheming problem. I've noticed that the past couple of weeks here where they don't really get that going other than Cleveland when you saw that those touchdowns early. I'd like them to get involved in the passing game. And honestly, I think on the defensive side of the ball, i got to agree with James here. I mean, the secondary, you want to see and, and make sure that, you know, listen, Pierre Garçon always has a pretty good game against the squad. Yes, he does. The, the I, don't know what, I, don't know, I don't know what. It's kind of like when Andrew Tony was playing with the uh, Sixers. His whole season could be blanked up. Ain't time for the seller. Playing Boston, that's Boom. right. Yes, the Boston Stranglers. But right. um, I guess my two fellas is um, I'm gonna see how I'm, I'm, I'm gonna see how the receiving core responds after you know uh, last week's game, especially Mr. Aguilar with that. Uh, okay, I kind of the guy might have grabbed his arm, but still he could have made a better effort. And my last one, fellas, is uh, I'm gonna see how the whole team responds after that. Uh, one point loss. Charles, thanks for taking my call. You got well, it, Let's Scott. go, Eagles. Let's go, Birds. Hey, thanks That's for right. making uh, it, Scotty. It's, man, it's just easier to blame Nelson Aguilar, isn't ah. it? Just, oh, yeah, it's I his love fault. it. I Winston love it. Winston didn't do anything wrong. Nobody did I anything wish wrong. People could see, I wish people could see me smiling and nodding at you when these <laughs> callers are calling up and saying, I'm right and you're wrong. I'm loving it. I love it. Uh, the other thing that has been a little bit of, curious this week that I am also looking for, forward to, or at least wanting to see develop, and it's not just with this game, it's kind of moving forward here. Vinnie Curry's getting paid an awful lot of money, right? He's yeah. getting, what, what do we got here? It's, uh, oh yeah, five years, $47 million, 23 guaranteed, 45% of the snaps. That is hey not 45% of the snap money, which is interesting. Cause, Unless you're getting a, uh, a sack like every other snap yes, you're out there. Yes, and I'm not saying he's doing nothing. He's just been a little quiet, and some of those, a lot of the times, like, you know, you're not judging pressures and hurries and things. You're looking at the sack total. 
but that's what he's kind of supposed to do. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not exactly because there was a definite, and I was I said the same thing too. You switch to a four three, Vinnie Curry becomes so much more valuable. The the contract that he got reflected that he thought he was going to come in here and do gangbusters. You even heard Jim Schwartz say. Not so many, com- in so many words, not very over complimentary about his play this far. Well, when he even talked, Jim Schwartz asked on Thursday about Vinny's lack of playing time, as it were, and he gave a very kind of, you know, uncommittal answer. He's getting answer. there type He's of like, thing, yeah, right? Yeah. He was like, well, we want him in theoretically. He, should, he was theoretically in there. He's like, he should be playing more, but but, you know, it hasn't come up. What does that mean? You're in charge of who's playing, bro. You're the guy putting him out on the field. Like... Play him more or don't, but tell us one way or the other. Either way, hashtag free Vinny is back. John. Exactly. Again, but they've freed Vinny. And it's and it's still which kind of lends you to all of the talk of well, why is Vinny Curry only getting twenty three percent of the snaps from last year? And he was really effective in those. But maybe that's how he become that's the reason why he's effective. It's because people don't see Possible. him. He's more he's a fastball that kind of comes in there and changes yep. it up. Not saying that he can't. I'm just saying it's very interesting considering that Brandon Graham, who's making $13 million guaranteed, <laughs> four years, $26 million, which was not a Howie Roseman contract, with everybody at the time saying, well, nobody really wanted him. The Giants only offered him a one year deal, and he's come out and, and is literally smoking every single left and right tackle that he finds, man. And that's that was the beauty of that. And I think we might have oversold on Vinnie Curry. So I, I'm and waiting to see. And undersold Brandon Graham, yes, right? Yes, we did. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, you look back at this contract from whoever was responsible for it. I'm not even going to try and guess. I don't think Howie was here for that, though, if I remember it was correctly. The chip, it was, chip was in control. I don't know who's responsible, but it was when Chip had power, as it were. But you are looking at that contract versus whatever other pass rushers are making in this league right now. And I know we've had the conversations about Benny Logan of, is he going to get paid? Are they going to find him money? Absolutely, they are. I think Brandon's going to go, hey uh, Excuse me. Hey-o. I need to be making somewhere around this money here. And I think that's the conversation that we haven't had all years. There's no way Brandon Graham is, is going to play for $4 million no, next year. Nor should he when he's playing like that. I have no problem with him going to them and saying, hey, uh, Vinny Curry's making how much? $9.5 million a year? I'm way better than that, dude. <laughs> and and, and it's, it is one of those things, though, it's true. Within locker rooms and whatnot, that kind of stuff does matter. Like, don't fool yourself to believe that these guys don't have egos, that these guys don't know what every other guy lining up around him is making. It's all public knowledge. They all know. There is no way that that doesn't irk Brandon Graham a little bit once the season's over. That He doesn't go back and say, Look what I did. Look what he did. Why is he making $6 million a year more than I am? Yeah, and I know that the listen, the, the paper money, the 26 versus the 47 means nothing. It sure. means absolutely nothing. It's not, not all that's guaranteed. You can f- find it fit away. The beauty of all this is that if they had Sam Bradford here this year, you would have to make that decision. Obviously, well, they, they're not, they weren't going to keep him anyway. They're going to move on from it. But this is the beauty of having a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract yep. where you're, you're under the bar and look. Nobody thought Carson Wentz could get to this level this quickly. So you can, I would almost say, yeah, go ahead and overspend on the defense to keep that core together there. Figure the the other stuff out later. If you need to drop some, I mean, you know, you're going to interchange wide receivers here coming up here soon. I can't imagine that they're going to hold on to Nelson unless he really does improve or restructures his contract or, or does whatever here. 
But that's the beauty of having a, a good quarterback on a rookie contract. It's why Seattle was just so successful the last few years. It was because they had Russell Wilson on that contract. He played great immediately, and they were able to spend up everywhere else and pay that Legion of Boom and all those guys and pay Marshawn last year and do what they had to do to build around because they could afford it because they're paying their quarterback $800,000 or whatever. Which, which they're going to have to do again, I think. And that's just how it's going to kind of work out here, and you just kind of figure your, the rest of the things out later because, again, the two guards on this team, you could pick up literally anywhere and be fine. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we're, uh, we're wrapping up into our last segment. We've got NFL Picks with Kyle Scott come up at 740 right here on BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP 2020 Sports. I'm R.J. McKay. It's the Eagles and the Redskins tomorrow in the nation's capital. The Eagles have a new right tackle, Halapuli Vati Vaitai. Eagles head coach Doug Peterson comments on his new right tackle. Fully committed. You know, he's had a great week of practice, good week of preparation. There's a few mental things that we cleaned up during the week, and that's why you practice. But from the standpoint of him executing and, and doing what we ask him to do, he's fine and, and, and committed to him being that right tackle. Kickoff is scheduled for 1 o'clock and can be heard right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Tonight in the NHL, Flyers look to make it two in a row to start the season as they skate against the Arizona Coyotes. Puck will drop just after 9 out in Arizona. Baseball playoffs, the Cleveland Indians beat the Toronto Blue Jays this afternoon 2-1. to one. The Indians now lead that series two games to none. Over in the National League, it's game one of the championship series with the Chicago Cubs hosting the Los Angeles Dodgers. First pitch is scheduled for just after 8 o'clock. Preseason NBA action after one quarter. Order of play, the uh, Pistons lead the Sixers 22 to 16. College football in the first quarter, Central Florida leads Temple 8 nothing. CBS 3 eyewitness weather for tonight, mainly clear, low 46 tomorrow. Mix of clouds and sun, high 74. Get the story 20 minutes before and after every hour. For breaking news and scores, go to cbsphillysports.com. Follow Sports Radio WIP on Twitter. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Uh, a perfect game for uh, for RJ over there, by the way. <laughs> Pronounced uh, Big V's full name Nailed the entire it. show. Nailed it. Unlike, uh, unlike this idiot right over yeah, here. Yeah, I just didn't try. I figured that was the <laughs> smartest way to go about it. No, it was good. It was good stuff. Uh, it you is BG. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yeah, Dave, exactly. Dave. Yes. yes. Da- Dave Big V. Dave Big V, yes. Oh, John forgot, right. See, John forgot the forgot joke already. New nickname. It's good. Man. Dave. 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 With Dave. From now on, it's Dave. Uh, not Dave, but Kyle Scott from Crossing Broad joins us. Two first names. Right now on uh, BGN Radio. Kyle, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. I'm just worried about spelling it. I think we need to put like a shortcut. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about brutal, that. Just brutal spelling. By this, I think by this point in this week, every, everybody's phone is auto-corrected to that, right? So once you get to the... H, it's just going to go whoop and no, fill it right Everyone's just writing big V. Anytime I put V, it just autocorrects. Plus, it just, it, yeah, it doesn't work with Twitter's 140 characters. It's just, you know, it's much easier to kind of shorten it yes. to get it on all that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, uh, Kyle, what do you think of, we've been kind of saying this This might be the, looking back uh, towards the end of the season, if they're, you know, if they're really at a, in a tight race with whoever it might be, Dallas, or maybe it's a, they see Washington, and this might be the game you look back on, and if they lose it, Yeesh, that, that might be the one that you point to, but uh, how are you feeling about this one on Sunday? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it's a game they should win. They kind of, you got to win in the division. You know, you should be the team that you're better than. I mean, I'm like, 
I, I was never – you guys were saying, like, oh, going to be undefeated in the division. And I, I think I texted you a couple weeks ago. I was like, yo, like, pump the brakes a little. <laughs> and then when they – I'm not as down on the loss. And I listened to your podcast earlier in the week, and I get the, the anger about the – especially the way the defense played early. And I think, uh, you know, Jim Schwartz got outcoached a little bit. But I give a lot of credit to the Lions. I thought they had a lot of nice misdirections. Riddick played very well. Um, they didn't really need to use Marvin Jones. So I was kind of impressed with the way they came out. And think about this. You're on the road. You're down 14 nothing. You have a rookie quarterback. The Eagles came back and essentially were in position, should have won the game. So, like, in the grand scheme of things, yes, it hurts to get the L. But I, I was actually relatively pleased. Coming off a of bye, the Lions were rolling. They absorbed the punch, and they came back, and they should have won. So I'm – I'm not as, like, panicky as everybody else. Like, yeah, it, it sucks they got the loss, but I kind of felt good about the game in yeah, a weird yeah, way. Yeah, I don't think we were uh, – we we just had to get the uh, F-bombs out of the yeah, way after panicky, the fumble. just upset, upset. and angry yeah. We moved on pretty anything, quickly, yeah. though. Uh, but, yeah, yeah it's it, – yeah, it's, again, it's – well, and listen, when you're – when you see Michael Kendricks out there and you go, oh, yeah, we're just going to do the same thing we did last year. Theo, get on him, and then – that's how you kind of score those touchdowns early. But, uh, yeah, I get where you're coming from, too. You wanted to see the adversity from Wentz. You got that. Um, there's uh, There was a lot of nice things from that game you take away, and they should have won that one, and I'm glad they're angry for this. What we're not angry about right now is let us let us get into the NFL picks. All right, so it, it, the most effective strategy, just let me let the listeners out there know, whatever I say, don't do that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm worthwhile to listen to because you can bet against me. That is the key here. All right, let's get into it. We got four games on our slate. Let's start out with a little uh, little NFC East action. As uh, heading to Green Bay, the Dallas Cowboys are four and one. Yikes! Four and a half point favorite, the Packers. Kyle, where are you headed in this one? God, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep going against the Cowboys until finally, like they, they fall through the floor. <laughs> like, look, they looked really good last week. But like, everyone's all over Ezekiel Elliott. Like, their line is so good. Um, so I don't know if, like, and Dak has played well, but I'm sorry. I'm just not buying. And I know it's, it's my Eagles bias, whatever. I'm not buying. I'm going to take the Packers. I just I refuse to take the Cowboys at any point this season. It's, yeah, and for me, it's not necessarily the Cowboys. It's just that it's Green Bay. It's in their house. Like, even if yeah. you play bad, even if you're like the Giants, they still seem to come out with a win. So I feel good. I feel good laying the points. I'm going to take Green Bay in this one as well. All right. In their last 25 games, Dallas, when they are underdogs by more than a field goal, are 19 and six. How about They're about that? to be 19 and seven. Green Bay oh, takes it. Nice. They cover easy. Rodgers and Lambeau. And guess what? I just don't think Dallas is that good. I I refuse to believe that they're that good. They haven't beaten Thank anybody you. yet. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Uh, let's stick with the NFC East. How about those Giants who? I don't think anyone is saying are very good. Hosting the Baltimore Ravens, three-point home favorite, nice solid three-point line. Mr. Barcher, where are you at? I think this is going to be just a, a miserable game to watch. Can we just admit that, first of all, with just all the chaos that's been happening? You fire Mark Tressman, you're this, you know, the offensive coordinator's Marty. gone. Marty Ball comes Marty. back in. Joe Flacco's just going to be heaving it down there to Mike Wallace. Still think it's good enough for the win. I'm thinking Baltimore. I just don't trust the Giants either. I don't know what it is, but uh, every time I bet against them, uh, they they provide me with goodness. So I'm rolling with that. Kyle, who do you have in this one? The games, the games in North Jersey, right? Correct. It is. First of all, I hate these two. I really do. Like, these yeah, they're <laughs> terrible. You can hear it in your voice, Kyle. It's like just a disdain just coming through the radio here. When the Ravens played the Redskins last week, I hated that. Like I just hate these. I hate anyone the Ravens play, and I hate I hate the Giants and the Redskins. So uh, I don't know. I, I think I always buy into it's 
it's tough to, it's something about playing in the the New York metro area is is sometimes tough for a football team. So I will take I'll just take the Giants on based on that. But really, like this game would be be fine if we just like pile trash into the, the <laughs> whatever they're calling it now, and, and everybody just, just see us split it up evenly between uh, New Jersey and Baltimore. I think I'm down with yeah. that. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna ring the bell on this one though. Is I, I do I'm gonna go back to Johnny's side here. No, no way you can take the Giants here. How about this? This is a fun stat, though. How about this? At two, only two of the last 17 seasons, the Giants have had a winning record at home against the spread. What? How about that? How, how hard is that to do? And they uh, won so Super Bowls over that time. Back interrupting my, my nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so I'm actually going to – this time I'm actually going to follow this stat and say that, that the Giants lose. And uh, the, I actually think the Ravens win the game outright. Okay. All right, uh, let's head on to uh, – Potentially, who saw this coming? A uh, 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 battle for the NFC, Atlanta in Seattle. Seattle is a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Mr. Scott, what do you think about this one? Atlanta gets crushed. Wow. Guys, they, yes. they, they, start early, they start hot every year. Uh, they're not nearly as good away from home. They're not nearly as dynamic. Uh, I, I'm, I think they get crushed here. Uh, I still think that Seattle wins this game. Oh, the six is is throwing me off a little bit here. I know that I'm, I'm probably buying into the, the the Broncos victory a little too much. I like their defense a lot. That was you know east to kind of semi west. This one's a little farther out. I just feel really good about Atlanta covering but losing in this one. Ring the bell again. <laughs> the, uh, I am with Kyle here. The Seahawks are going to smoke Atlanta. Atlanta obviously had that big win in Denver, but going to Denver, then they got to go out to Seattle just a week later. That's a lot of travel. And how about this one? Seattle at home when not favored by more than a touchdown, 13-2 and two against the spread in the last 15. <laughs> all these but trends. Where do you get these thank from? Thank you, R.J. Bell, yeah. for all these trends. I <laughs> Move over, Ruben Frank. It's James Seltzer. <laughs> Pregame.com. Shout out for R.J. <laughs> Bell. All right, uh, let, let's do the one that matters here, guys. Uh, opened at a, a pick'em. Uh, and it has moved all the way to the Eagles being a three-point favorite in Washington. Wow. Kyle, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the Eagles here regardless. I'm still quite bullish on them, um, you know, because I'm, I'm still not as down as, as some people were last week. But, yeah, the line is speaking to me in and of itself. I'll take the Eagles solely because of the way that line is, is sliding. Yeah, I, uh, I I can't uh, I can't argue with you on that one. I, I really like the Eagles in this one. I I'm buying into the fact that they're you know really mad about the loss. I don't think they sh- I I know in the hardest of hearts that they know that they shouldn't have watched uh, you know won that game. It's a divisional game. They're coming up. They're showing up for this one. I'm taking the Eagles. All right, here's the, the R.J. Bell stat on this one. Uh, Philadelphia, when favored a second week in a row, is eight and twenty four against the spread in their last thirty two. Screw it! I'm taking the birds. I'm going against the stat here. So I just think, look, if they had if they had smoked Detroit or something, I'd feel a lot more nervous about this. They know that they need to focus, play this game, play a full sixty minutes. I think they're just a better team than Washington. I'm taking the birds, and I think they I think they win it handily. Maybe a late touchdown makes it close, but I don't think at any point we're really super nervous during. This yeah, game. neither do I. I think it's. Uh, I mean, it might be stressful for the first half when you know. Deshaun or Pierre kind of runs in there and gets their <laughs> touchdown. It'll be like the 13 to three or something like that. And then it kind of turns around. So, well, that's uh, that'll wrap up uh, the NFL picks, but uh, you know, Kyle, we've got uh, obviously the Sixers actions going on right now. And uh, I-, I was with you kind of on the, the NHL and the flyers and everybody kind of starting so late to open up the season. I barely made it through a period and a half last night before I was 
kind of dozing in and out. You get it again uh, tonight uh, against you know the Coyotes. How are you feeling a about it? Yeah, it's a little earlier, which I appreciate. I, I like that you went coyotes instead the, of coyotes the yotes, there, too. The yeah, coyotes. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. How are you feeling about that uh, That flyer squad thus far, though? I, I mean, God, Konechny looked awesome last night. Um, I'm, I'm feeling good. Like, look, this is a great time in this town. We got we got the Eagles on the on the uptick. The Sixers about to be on the uptick with, you know, just some mega talent. It sucks about Ben Simmons. And then, you know, I mean, you got three really primo young guys on the flyers i mean this is this is an exciting time but yeah by the way about to start time like look i know it's not a national tv game but like you got a big market east coast team that is literally owned by the network that is like the lead <laughs> national broadcast network and i know it wasn't a national tv game but like you have to like let these teams start on like some sort of prime time like you have a big market team starting at 11 p.m because of the the celebration or whatever they were doing out in la i mean like this is crazy on a friday night 11 p.m and then 9 p.m the next night in phoenix like come on are you just trying to push away casual fans like yes. i think the nhl like act like actively tries to push away like the average average show it just doesn't make any sense but yeah. I, I stayed up i mean at least it was on a weekend yes so it, was, it was a good game exactly it wasn't on a thursday night but uh, kyle we appreciate it by crossingbroad.com as always we'll see you next week pal thanks man thanks yes yeah uh i, I, I even if you know baseball's one thing you like you'll you'll stay up for that look the you know the the NLCS and all that stuff was starting at like nine thirty, ten o'clock. I understand, it's like tough. it has you have it's to tough. do those things. It's been but great now. Yeah, just like give me a yeah. Give me a little a, the first there. game of this, it's outrageous, is what it is. It's almost like hockey. We're not a, a legitimate sport or something. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, <laughs> but that but that's what I'm saying. Like there is, it's so weird, and and we're gonna we're gonna wrap up with our random thoughts. Yes, I got one. First of all, I don't know why NBA fans and NHL fans fight. I really don't. I am a lover. I devout lover of both sports during the winter time. Why are we trying to best one another here? Just relax and enjoy it. There are great things about the NBA. There are great things about the NHL. Uh, there's five apiece on it. <laughs> there's five guys playing hockey. There's five guys playing basketball. Like Can't we it all just should be just like a magical thing of everybody Love getting along, happiness. but it just it just doesn't happen. Instead, we're trying to like my sport up. Yeah, I was going to talk about how great the MLB playoffs have been. They have been. They've been so much fun. But I, I realized this before the show. Take a guess, uh, and this isn't really a random thought, just a random factoid, but how many followers do you think Ken Bone has on Twitter? Oh, I haven't seen 247,000 oh, followers. Ken Bone, that is my random factoid. 247,000. That guy, who was on TV, he had like none. Before. He's got 247,000. Well, it's time to, ret- to retire the sweater and everything. I think about we should might have that. to end Twitter at this point. Just, it's <laughs> over. It's, it's all done. Well, that's going to do it for BGN Radio. I am John Barcher. That was James Elter. We appreciate you hanging out with us every Saturday night right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP.